So today, for this Epiphany Sunday, uh, we continue this Sunday and next Sunday, moving to the completion of our series on the book of the prophet Isaiah. Today, some readings from the latter part of the book of the prophet Isaiah, from chapter 60, verses 1 through 6, 10 through 12, and then 17 through the end of chapter 60, and then into chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. And then we'll turn to the echoing passage, uh, an echoing passage in God's vision to the Apostle John in the Revelation, Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 through 27. I invite you to follow along in your Bible. We'll also provide this on the screens. Hear now God's word. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord, Yahweh, will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations, Gentiles, nations, shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar and your daughter shall be carried on the ship. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah and all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, bear good tidings, the praises of the Lord. Foreigners shall build up your walls and their kings shall minister to you. <laughs> For in my wrath... God is speaking to Zion now. I struck you, but in my favor, I have had mercy on you. Your gates shall be open continually, day and night. They shall not be shut, that the people may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. And then to verse 17. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. And instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down 
nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord, and it's time. I will hasten it. And then one of the songs of the anointed conqueror, connecting with the songs of the servant. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And then to the revelation of Jesus Christ to the apostle John, another vision echoing or seeing the fulfillment of what Isaiah has prophesied, picking up at verse 22. Revelation 21, verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations, the Gentiles, walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. You'll remember the news in that ambush on October the 16th in Haiti, the Haitian gang known as 400 Mawosi abducted 17 Christian family members who were serving in Haiti orphanages and other places of refuge and provision. These missionaries were working with the Christian Aid Ministry Society. 16 Americans, one Canadian. They were from the conservative Anabaptist groups of Amish, Mennonite, and other Anabaptist groups. When kidnapped, they were initially all crowded, all 17, into a very small room with little provisions, but then over the next course of the next number of weeks, they were moved around several times into various uh, prison safe houses. Sometimes they would be separated in different parts of a small house, but, but daily and, and throughout the day, 
these Christian mission workers of various ages, all the way down to the baby and the, the, the young child, the three-year-old child, they would hear each other and they would pray together. They would recite scripture together. I know one of the things that you remember as you, and I, I pray that you will be doing this this new year, memorizing scripture on a daily basis, because you know, when you get into situations where you don't have anything else available to you, it is such a blessing of the Lord to be able to recall and say together God's word. So they would recite scripture, they would pray together, they would sing hymns together, even when they were separated across in different rooms in a, in a, in a prison house, so to speak. The gang was demanding, you may remember this, millions of dollars for these Christian missionaries to, to release them. Initially, after a few weeks, the gang released five, but 12, a dozen, were still held uh, for many more weeks. A married couple, four single men, two women, and four children, including the baby and the three-year-old, 10-month-old baby. Um, Sam Stolzfus, who was one of the captives, basically the leader of the group of 12 that remained, recounted uh, recently in a worship service a few days ago, uh, a Mennonite worship service in which he gave a testimony for three hours. You know, they're serious about worship in the Mennonite church. They, they worship for hours. He gave a three-hour testimony, and I'm just going to draw out a few notes from what he shared in, in praise to the Lord said after the first week and a half of the, in the second location of the various locations they were in, he said, we would see airplanes up above. They would let us go out that the guards would be hung over from drinking and drugs uh, the night before. And the captives would be able to go out in the early morning. They'd get out and they could move around and they weren't being very well supervised. There were perimeter guards. Uh, but but these, these, uh, these captives would go out, and he said, we were desperate. We were able to make signs with cardboard and charcoal, S-O-S, huge letters, and they would show it, and they would see these prop planes flying above. And in one time, even one of the planes throttled down low, like it was looking at them and could see exactly what was happening with them. But then they were never rescued. And Sam said... Um, the Lord wanted us to put our complete trust in him and to understand and to learn that we would not be delivered by the hand of man, that it would have to be a miracle from God. After they moved into, you know, I mean, December, I mean, they were captured in and uh, kidnapped in October. They, they, they decided, they agreed together, they were going to have to make an escape. Whatever the cost, whatever the risk, they needed to do this. But they prayed for a time when God would tell all of them that God was showing them the sign. Sam and others thought at various points leading up to the escape that this was the night to do it. One night, the guards were particularly all stoned and seemed to be out of it, but not all the members of the group were convinced that God was giving them the sign to leave that night. Finally, though, on December 15th, the group determined that God said it was time. However, 
this night, the guards seemed to be particularly antsy and really paying a lot of attention to them. As they were trying to get some provisions together, the guards kept coming in and looking at them. They'd get in their beds when they heard the guards coming and act like they were asleep. And they decided finally, look, we're going to sleep until 1 o'clock in the morning, and then we'll go over the miles of that mountain that we can see out beyond us in the dark. Sam said that... Um, when they finally left at one o'clock in the morning, they were all tired. They, they didn't know if they could make it. It was going to be many miles, you know, through forestry and then through some barren area up above these mountains. But, but a couple things happened. It was like the light of God blinded the guards because the group kept waiting for the guards to start yelling and shooting in the air and everything. And for some reason, even though the guards were awake, they, this group was able to just leave, move the rock from the door, and walk out. And it was as if no one was seeing them. And then, by the moonlight and the, the heavenly light, but, but they thought it was clear that God was showing them the path they needed to take through the mud, through the brush, through the bramble. You know, they wrapped up that little 10-month-old baby in a blanket so that she wouldn't be too badly damaged. As they moved, they, the, the adults carried these, the, the baby and the three-year-old over 10 miles from 1 o'clock in the morning till about 8 the next morning. 10 miles up a mountain, through brush, through barren areas. And God kept showing them by a miraculous light the way they should go, all the way to freedom. Do you believe that story? It's true. It's true. So welcome to the new year. God is calling you and me to go over the mountain into the new year, guided by his light. And so today the sermon is Jesus's new year. Jesus' new year. Glorious and free forever. Wouldn't you like to be glorious and free forever? Wouldn't you like to be free of all debt forever? Wouldn't you like to be set free to enjoy and live with God in his heavenly purposes forever? That is the invitation that Jesus gives us today. Glorious and free forever, Jesus' new year. You can follow along in the notes now uh, relating to this complex scripture that we just read through. I'm going to bring out a few highlights. Number one is Jesus' gospel. Jesus' is good news. You know, the gospel is key to understanding the entire scripture and indeed to understanding the life that God gives us, to live in the light of his good news. Jesus' gospel is the all things new year is here. You know, a lot of people, including a lot of drunken stone people over the last few days have been saying happy new year. I'm not talking about that happy new year. I'm talking about the all things new year. Would you like to move into the all things new year? Well, Jesus is inviting us into that. When we believe in him and follow him, Jesus calls us into the all things new year. Behold, I make all things new. That's what Jesus says. And I, I want to invite you today to believe and live in his new year forever. Now, let's pull back and understand that in Jesus' first coming, Jesus proclaimed that the Jubilee year under Torah, under God's law and provision, under the covenant, had arrived with Jesus. And Jubilee meant freedom peace, and glory. This is what you would call 
kingdom come, you know, thy kingdom come, 1.0. Second coming is going to be 2.0, okay? 1.0, though, is we can already be set free from all our debts. That's what Jesus is talking about. In fact, if you miss this otherwise, in all the prophecy in the buildup, running from Torah all the way through Isaiah, the prophet, which really ushers in the New Testament. If you missed all of that, when you get to the New Testament and you start reading Luke's gospel, after the Christmas story, after Advent and Christmas, you move into Jesus's temptation after his baptism. And then what does Luke give us? Luke gives us the key to understanding Jesus's first coming and what Jesus said about the agenda of his first coming in Luke chapter four, after Jesus's baptism, after uh, the temptation, the first public major preaching that Jesus gives that Luke records for us tells us this agenda. And Jesus quotes directly from the song of the anointed conqueror in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and the beginning of verse 2. I'll come back to this, but you have to understand this. Jesus stops very explicitly and with high reason at just the very beginning line of verse 2 of Isaiah 61, because the rest is reserved for his second coming. You already pretty much know this if you've already been reading seriously Isaiah, but Jesus gives it to us. Okay, so here's Luke chapter 4, verse 17 and following. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, this is in the synagogue in Jesus' hometown in Nazareth, big public pronouncement from Jesus. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to Jesus. He unrolled the scroll, in other words, the scroll of the prophets, okay, the scroll of Isaiah. And where would Jesus want to read for this day as he inaugurates the clear explication of his first coming and his ministry goals? Well, obviously, you would say, Isaiah 61. And sure enough, that's where Jesus goes. He unrolled the scroll, the Isaiah scroll, and found the place where it was written, and he read this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So he reads over back into uh, Isaiah 58 there momentarily and Isaiah 61 verse 1 heading into verse 2. Listen to this. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he stops right there at the beginning of verse 2. He rolled up the scroll, Luke tells us, and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were on Jesus. And Jesus began to tell them, today, today, this scripture has been fulfilled among you. In other words, Jesus' first coming. This is what is happening with Jesus' first coming, the year of the Lord's favor. It's talking about Isaiah, of course. It's talking about Jesus. It's talking about the year of Jubilee. You read about it back in Leviticus chapter 25. It's the restart year, okay? 
after every seven years under the law, you have a Sabbath year where all the land is supposed to rest for a year, a Sabbath year. You don't work the land in the seventh year. You trust God to provide, and God says, I will provide. And there are basic some, uh, release of some debts in every Sabbatarian year, every seventh year. But then you go, and, and what Leviticus 25 describes is after the seventh seven years, Year. In other words, when you get to 49 years, you move through Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and you look ahead to the 50th year, which is called the Jubilee year. And the Jubilee year is the grand restart. Everything is made new. The families and the people who lost their land because they were foolish or they had bad crop years or they were otherwise, you know, unfortunate land has been repossessed and taken over by other people, bought out by other people. It's all returned to the original tribe and clan and family. Everything's restarted. Debts totally forgiven. Everybody's debt free. Slaves are set free. People who are in servitude for debt, they are released. It doesn't matter. You could say, well, they were supposed to serve for five years. They're supposed to be my slave for five years. I don't care if it's only been five days. They are released in the year of Jubilee. That's what God's covenant says. That's what the law says. Debt-free. By the way, you can understand why I'm preaching on this today in particular, not just because it's a new year, but because of the burning of the note here. So what it is clear to see reading between the lines in the Old Testament is, sure enough, you know the way people are, right? Would anybody actually follow this? Give land back to people? Forgive all debt? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors? Would anybody actually do that in real life among fallen people? No, and not even among the Jewish people. Even though they were under this covenant, it's clear the Jubilee year never actually happened. But when Jesus comes, Isaiah has already foreseen this. Jesus says, it's happening now. I declare it. Jubilee, restart. I make all things new. That's what Jesus just said. You can see it. You can read it in Luke chapter 4. And, and another thing that what Isaiah is telling us, this theme of the light, and you can say, but pastor, you've already talked about the light a lot in you know, sermons leading up to Christmas and on Christmas because the light emphasis, and we saw this back in Isaiah before. You've read all kinds of passages from Isaiah that are talking about the light. Can't you move on to a new subject? And I'm telling you no because it's a big theme in the Bible, but Isaiah, like no one else in the Old Testament, like no other prophet, fleshes this out and brings this to bear in prophesying about Jesus' coming. The next person who picks it up big time, obviously Jesus does, but through Jesus, the Apostle John in the New Testament. So we've got this emphasis on, here's the thing, Jesus' first coming, he describes it to us as Jesus is like the bright morning star. Is it day yet? No. Is Jesus' first coming the second coming? No, but he's the bright morning star who shows us the light in which we're going to live in fullness when he comes again and consummates the kingdom. Okay? So this is why Jesus says, even all the way through, you know, all the way in, in, in Revelation chapter 21, the, the famous final great I am statement of Jesus is, I am the root and descendant of David and what? The bright morning star. When the night is darkest, the morning star, right, shows you the future. This is the real future. This is God's future that he's offering us Christians. So we say, amen, and with Revelation 22, come again, Jesus, come now. 
because we're ready for the second coming after we've seen the bright morning star. So Jesus' second coming, this is Kingdom Come 2.0, and with this, the Lord himself will be your everlasting light. I want you to catch that. You read it in all these verses in Isaiah, and you pick it up in Revelation 2. Jesus is not simply the light. Hear this, Christian. He's our light. He's your light. Do you understand? He's your light. You live seeing through him. He marks the path for who you are and how you live. It's a personal relationship. You already get this elsewhere in the Old Testament. David, God always gave these things early to David. David in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Thy word is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. And now we see it fully. Jesus is your light means that you open your eyes to him and through him and you walk with him. Jesus as your glory means that you no longer need to make yourself something. He is your glory. As Paul says, I boast in him. I don't glorify myself. I glorify him. You don't have anything to prove, Christian. He, the king, has already claimed you as your own, as his own. So he's your light and he's your glory. He's your joy and you are radiant when you give yourself to him. Ladies, you don't need any makeup with him. You're radiant in him. You hear what I'm saying? He's your light, your light, your glory. Number two, Jesus is the light for all, but his coming commands a response. Arise and shine, that's a command. Isaiah 60 verse one, verse 12, or perish. The nation, the Gentile, to be translated either way, Hagoi, okay? The nation or the Gentile and the king who does not serve the Lord will perish. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 12, Americans or wherever you're listening from, whatever nation you're in, the nation that does not serve the Lord will do what? Perish. And it is a decision for each of us personally. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Well, what happens if we don't believe in him? Perish. He will come again. So we have all these passages about the light coming and decision that needs to be made. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 5. Arise, shine, your light has come. Those who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Isaiah 49, verse 6. I will make you as a light for the Gentiles, for the nations. It's too slight a thing for you just to be uh, the servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and Israel. God says to the servant, Isaiah 49, 6, I will make you as a light for the nations, the Gentiles so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. All authority has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, okay, to the very ends of the earth. But his coming commands a response. The nation, the people, the person that does not serve him will perish. And remember how I said Jesus stops 
at the beginning of verse 2, the day of the Lord's favor, what comes next? The day of vengeance of our God. That's the second coming. Verse 2, Isaiah 61, verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, of our Lord, and to comfort all who mourn. When Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted, he's talking about people who are oppressed and enslaved. They will be set free. Number three, many Gentiles, this is good news, many Gentiles will believe and come to him, bring good news and shine in his glory, beginning with the Magi. Remember, the Magi, the wise men, are the first Gentiles, non-Jews, to see Jesus and worship him and bring gifts to him. That's what we're supposed to get from this story, that what Isaiah prophesied about the camels coming and bringing gold and frankincense, this is actually fulfilled, right? Isaiah prophesied it in, in chapter 60, it's, verse 6. It's actually fulfilled with these wise men. They're the first Gentiles because the gospel is opening up to them just like God prophesied through Isaiah. And guess what? It's not just the gold and frankincense from verse 6. Did you catch that? The basar there? They, they share glad tidings. It's the Hebrew word for good news. They share the gospel in the praise of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? The Magi do this, just like Isaiah prophesied over 700 years before it happened. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 6. And that gospel is the power of God to save us. Romans 1, 16. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to save, the power of God for salvation, first to the Jew, but then also, thank God, right, to the Greek or to the Gentile, okay? The Magi come. Many Gentiles believe and come to Jesus, which brings us to our application point for us. Number four, Christian, walk in the light. In this new year, walk in the light. And I've given to you, and I'm going to read through for you now, a passage that should guide us every single day. You know, Jesus teaches us to pray daily, forgive us our debts, right? Because we are still, even though saved, we are still struggle with sin, right? And Jesus calls us to be honest and to walk in the light, to move from straying from the light, which our sin calls us to stray from the light, to live and walk in the light. So listen to this. Confess your sin, confess your straying, be forgiven and cleansed for fellowship with him and fellowship with one another. This is something I want to encourage you every day in your devotional time and every day as we live together to follow. This is the message, 1 John chapter 1, picking up at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and claim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I've heard that before, right? Yes. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. Did you hear that? Isn't that awesome? From all sin. Wait a minute. Aren't there some sins Jesus can't address? No, no, no. The blood of the lamb cleanses us from all sin sin. Trust in that every day. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, bringing us more and more into his fellowship. Live in that way, in the light.
Christian walk in the light this year. And he will sanctify you. And you will know that your glory, your joy, is found in Jesus, who is coming again soon. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.